Hi, I'm Amy Blackthorne, and this is Blackthorne Grove. I am so happy to be chatting with uh, Amy Blackthorne here today in this salon celebrating the launch of our new books. It's fabulous that we both have new books out at the same time. So, Amy, welcome to the Kiki Zoom universe. Um, perhaps we can start just a little bit by talking, share, you can share a little bit about your new book. Oh, I'm so excited. So this is Blackthorn's Botanical Brews. It's my very first hardback. Uh, this is a book living in the spirit medicine of individual plants as they come to us in spirits. So absinthe, gin, vodka, whiskey, bourbon, uh, my, my very favorite cachaca, uh, those caparinas from Brazil. Uh, so each of those individual spirits can be utilized in magical practice. You can anoint your shoes with absinthe before you leave the house and be protected the whole day long. Uh, it's individual understandings and developing your own spiritual connection with each of these beautiful spirits. And delving into the spirits, you're actually looking at the magical equivalent and the magical use of each of these individual plants, spirits. Um, there's a chapter on individual fruits that can go into our favorite beverages like apples this time of year. It's really lovely to have fresh, crisp apples to utilize in sacred space. So there's how do you work with them magically? There's a tea section. There's a whole chapter on creating your own magical teas. So I have a, I have a tea shop, blackthornsbotanicals.com, where we, uh, we, me and the mouse in my pocket, have created lots of really beautiful botanical, magical uh, potions for you to enjoy. Um, but this, this whole chapter is about doing that for yourself. What is it that you're intending? What is it that you have available to you? It lists the magical uses of black tea, green tea, white tea, rooibos, honeybush, mm -hmm. and how to use those as bases to add all sorts of beautiful, magical, and botanical allies into your work. I love that. And I love in the book how you talk about like the spirits under the spirits. Um, like our dear Juniper and Jin. It's funny, I, I really thought that I didn't like gin before I started writing this book. It turns out I don't like battery acid. <laughs> good gin, that actually good gin. Um, good I'm gin. Like, good gin is where it's, it's, where it's at. <laughs> I found the most beautiful gin in writing this. It's a Uncle Val's botanical gin. It's, a, uh, it's inspired by Uncle Val's garden in Sicily. It's got sage and lemon and lavender and all these beautiful botanicals, but it's very cucumber forward. So you get, it's, it tastes like summer. So I plan on enjoying this gin all winter long when I'm longing for the warmth of summer. Right, because we're getting into the period of the winter garden. Um, and I have a new book out too, Entering Hecate's Garden, The Magic, get here, The Magic, Medicine, and Mystery of Plant Spirit Witchcraft. So this is, I would say, a psycho-spiritual guide to botanical witchcraft um, that includes some practical formulations um, and is also about the mystery of the deeper world. And um, I'm so excited that you uh, wrote the blurb on the back. And it's, I love that we're having our books come out at the same time because of course, 
um, this book and you being on this book, it's, I'm so grateful because uh, Amy and I bumped into each other. Or I should say I inter me being typical me. She was talking to someone else at this event we were at and I was just like, excuse me, whoever you are. Um, <laughs> I love your book. Because I think at the time you had uh, the first one, the, the essential oil one was out. Yeah. Love that book. Listen, like that is the book. If you <laughs> want to get into the world of essential oils, you know, that's what you need. And read that book and then you will just be opened up to a fabulous world and the proper ways to work with essential oil medicine. Uh, so it's a fabulous book. So yes, and so we chatted, we ended up chatting for hours. Um, Amy, uh, I guess we make, connected me with Judica Ills and Judica Illis, and I was so happy to, that Judica is now my editor. And then this book was the result. So Amy, so so perfect that we're coming together to do this salon today. Um, and you know, Amy and I were chatting yesterday to prepare to say, what do you think we should talk about? What's kind of you know seems to be riding those witch waves these days in terms of botanical witchcraft. So we talked about a lot of subjects and then we kind of got into a, a really popular topic that I know a lot of my students are always curious about is how we protect the home. And I think since we're in COVID and a lot of us are in the home and there is an amplified need for protection, there is so much going on astrologically in, in society that we are just 2020 is just a year where we need to be protected and um, and there's lots of ways to use botanicals to protect the home um, in keeping your keys what one of the methods we use I write about it in the book which is uh, based on the ancient ceremony of kernips which is the unification of uh, banishing plant sprig, such as juniper, or you could use other ones, um, sage if that's, you can use something that you can pick up at your local supermarket if that's what's available to you. You let it dry out, you have some cleansed water, uh, and then you unify the, the, the smoke of the botanical, you light it, then you put it in the water, and then you do a ceremony throughout the home just to banish any miasma, any stuff that's coming in the home. And uh, I write about that ceremony in the, the Entering Hecate's Garden book. And yeah, that's one of my favorite techniques. And I know students really like it, but that's just one of so many ways you can, you know, you, you want to cleanse the home and then do your protection wards. So Amy, what are some of the ways like that you would recommend um, cleansing the home and then protecting the home. It's so fabulous because both of those things are two separate actions. So we have so many opportunities to work with different botanicals that you, if you have been longing to work with something, if you've been really hesitant, using them in their essential oil form is really a great way to dip your toe in for those people who are hesitant to work with um, plant spirits. The My favorite is my favorite little tool is there. It's a 10 milliliter roll-on bottle. You can get them at grocery stores, at natural stores. You can find them on online. One drop of your essential oil of choice in that roller bottle and fill it up with jojoba or fractionated coconut oil or your best 
options because they last the longest. So you've got about a two year shelf life. So that is now a magical pen. You can, you can draw protection runes, you can draw sigils, you can draw all sorts of beautiful things in those places once your space has been cleansed, once your space has been cleared of anything that doesn't belong, uh, any miasma, any negative spirits. The way that I proceed first is usually grab uh, a botanical spirit that is close to my home. Uh, I, I've let the side garden on the side of my house take over with mugwort. It's about 18 feet long and five feet wide and it's all mugwort right now. <laughs> it's fabulous. I've, I've been making mugwort salve, I've been making mugwort wands, I've been making everything mugwort. <laughs> so I would take a, the botanical that's closest to my heart and move clockwise um, around the house to make sure that it's upright and feels beneficial to the, the spirits that I'm, that I'm working with. Um, I make sure I leave a window open in the basement. I, I move throughout the house all the way down into the basement. Uh, once everything feels proper, everything feels clean and whole and, and good again, then I walk through the house with my, my magical pen. Usually the one that I'm using for uh, protecting the house is Angelica. Um, Angelica, Archangelica is, is our Latin name. It was the origin myth is that this is the plant that sprung up from the dirt when Archangel Michael touched down on earth. So there's lots and lots of botanical history with this plant. Mm -hmm. There's, there's myths uh, spanning religious practices. So this is a really fantastic plant that is heavily associated with protection, especially the idea of protection during a pandemic. This was widely used uh, during the Black Plague and I, I feel a special connection to it right now. So all of that beautiful Angelica is, I word the windows, the doors, the backs of mirrors, the, the pipe where water comes into my home, the, the meter for the electricity, everything. Because all of those things are so vital when you can't leave the house. You know, I, I can't just pop down to the library for you know, my electricity needs for my for my Wi-Fi. So I got to make sure that I've protected everything that I possibly can. I can't, you know, there's some little that we can do against big natural disasters, uh, but I want to make sure that everything's as safe as it can be, that I, as safe as I can make it. I love how you do such a thorough check. And um, as you do this, like, it seems to me that it would give you the opportunity to also like check in, make sure the meter is okay. Make sure the white the internet box is okay, and so, so I love that blending of like good home security and and maintenance with magic, and always and the perimeter, right? Like it's you know go around the perimeter. Here where we have a bigger property, um, I go around what we call locally the dooryard. I know it's a weird name, but the dooryard refers to like the part of the yard that's mowed. Mm -hmm. as opposed to the whole kind of land. So I go all around the half acre that we mow um, and I walk it. And I've been using some mugwort too. Mugwort, of course, is good for protection and anti-inflammation. Anti I like it that year for, for that aspect as well, just to merge the spiritual properties with the physiological properties because, you know, they correspond. They're not separate. 
you know, if something is an anti-inflammatory, then it's going to have spiritual properties that are about reducing inflammation or in Mugwort's case, clear, clearing the way to the spirit world, right? Absolutely. But reducing that inflammation that you can't get into the deeper self. So a lot, I use a lot of juniper because it, there's so much of it here. Um, there's yarrow that grows at the end of the driveway, which is an all heel. Um, yarrow is not indigenous here, so it just kind of showed up. So, you know, I have yarrow and um, we have this beautiful ring of asters around the so-called dooryard um, that's just now finishing their bloom. And asters are so loving, right? And so it, I love that we have that protection. And then around the whole property, naturally, we have like alder and uh, poplar. So a lot of times I work with those spirits and weaving their medicine just into like a, a shield around the whole property and being very much like Circe on her island with that protective shield. Um, and that's how I, 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 I connect with Circe a lot when I'm doing this. You know, it's like, she's like, you missed a spot. Um, so just using the spirits that are already here. And I know you have a really special kind of uh, connection to your oak trees. Can you talk a little bit about your, your magical oak trees? Of course. So when I first found this property, I had, I had gotten rid of my realtor. We needed to find the right space. So it actually appeared in the local paper open house at this time, at this date, and we just missed it. It was the previous night. I'm like, okay, I, I've got to, I guess I'm going to look somewhere else. And something just kept poking me saying, no, go back, go back. So I drove past, drove out to the house that was listed in the paper. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to figure out a way. And I sort of peeked around the backyard and there's a stand of oak trees. There's a circle of five oak trees that is about 10 feet in diameter away from each other. So it's just the perfect space for just me to do the rituals that I need to honor the spirits of the of place that I have. And it is really fantastic energy. So I, I actually called the number on the sign out front to schedule a showing and, and I wound up making an offer the same day because the energy of that oak tree was just the the stand. It, it feels like one tree, not not five separate trees um, at the at the cardinal points. It was just perfect. So that. It was, it was absolutely great. It doesn't hurt the fact that I uh, opened the door and the, the realtor let us in. And the first thing I see is a, a beautiful, expansive living room with built-in bookshelves and exposed beams in the ceiling. I'm like, this is my witch library. It's perfect. <laughs> right. We love books and plants. And it's good that books are made of plants. That's right. <laughs> I love that story. And you know what it reminds me of is that, you know, like the, the, the green world is like they're waiting for us. Like those trees were waiting for you. And, you know, you just connected to them. You, like you were, you were paying attention and looking for the signs that you were in the right place. So I love that story. And oak is so phenomenal. Um, I love oak. We don't have any oak. There isn't a single oak tree on this property. I have looked. Um, so I have to go and acquire oak leaves and so on elsewhere because I, I like to make oak oil and, and so on. So 
but we don't have any oak. We have beautiful birch that I love so much, the Lady of the Woods. And uh, of course we have maple trees. And I, I don't know, there's just, trees are so amazing. Pine, fir, um, all of those trees. And even when we live in an urban environment, we tend to have uh, some trees that we experience like on our commute, right? Like we will see trees usually. So, you know, the green world is, is there even when we're in the most urban of settings, I think. So, do you have any other tips like for witches who are living in uh, maybe in an apartment or in an urban setting and they, you know, they don't have a big garden that they can go and get uh, mugwort from or juniper from? One of my favorite things is botanical divination. And one of the easiest ways you can do that, even whether you're in an apartment, you live in a city. I grew up in Baltimore, so I'm, I'm used to such a tight urban environment where you're not really sure if anything can grow. Um, one of my favorite things would be to see which botanical spirit reaches out to me. So I can go out, I leave from my home, I go out on a walk and see who I meet. Whether that's a dandelion growing up in the crack in the sidewalk, Mm -hmm. the, um, the ornamental fruit trees that the cities have planted along the streets. There's always going to be something somewhere. Um, one of my favorite ones, as a matter of fact, was I was walking through a, uh, a renovated space. It was just, at this point, it was just cracks in the sidewalk and broken macadam. And I found a green pepper plant growing up in between the bricks that it was just it was the best thing ever. You think, oh, there's nothing, nothing can live in such a broken environment. And here's this happy little green pepper plant just peeking right up out of the bricks. Like, okay, I made it. I'm here. Let's do something. It was really fantastic. So whether it's the planters out in front of the hotels that you walk past, there are going to be plants that are reaching out to work with you. We, we joked yesterday about um, juniper at Denny's, like there's, there are plants reaching out for us. We just have to stop and look. The, we take for granted because we spend so much time moving from point A to point B, that the time we spend in between points A and B, that liminal space is magical. When you're transferring from point A to point, I'm going from home to work, that commute is magical. There's a liminal space where only certain things can exist. Mm -hmm. So feel free to keep your eyes out for the things that you spot when you're stopped at a red light or the, the plants that are outside of your bus stop. There, mm -hmm. there are plants reaching out for you and you don't have to have a lot of space to do it. Just finding the ways to allow yourself to connect is the biggest thing. I think, that, and I think that can be so challenging. I mean, you and I have talked about this before that um, if you're someone who just naturally does this, like even as a small child, I would talk to plants. Like it was you know, in the woods, you know, I had favorite trees and the trees were my friends. And, you know, I had a certain, I've always loved birch trees. So there was a certain birch tree on a certain rock that I loved this birch tree and I would talk to this birch tree. But I think like, because of how society kind of views communicating with the deeper world um, you know, that with kind of disdain or they think we're crazy that, and somehow we've got the idea that the only creatures we're supposed to talk to on the planet are other humans. But for those of you who are fans of mythology or Terry Pratchett books or anything like that, you know, like these, 
books all are about talking to animals and talking to plants and other spirits. And, you know, and that's where the witch abides is in this deeper world, right? So we, I don't know, talking to plants is great. I have an aloe vera in the living room that I'm very kind of, I, I like this plant, but I don't, it keeps growing bigger and bigger. So we have a lot of conversations about the fact that I think it should be less, uh, committed to unbridled growth uh, and, be <laughs> and that's just in a kind of a fun conversation, but also in deeply connecting to the medicine of the plant. So you mentioned, you've mentioned quite a few plants so far. So you mentioned Angelica, of course, and mugwort, the oak in your yard. Um, do you have any like tips on how to just open up communication perhaps for the first time to plant spirits. Absolutely. If you have a yard, if you have a, a, a two centimeter square of grass on your property anywhere, go out into your yard. Mm -hmm. uh, find things that are, uh, they're considered libations, whether it's apple juice, mm -hmm. um, cider, wine, something that you feel is special. Doesn't have to be alcoholic, especially um, there, there's so many people in our lives who are sober for different reasons, whether it be medication, pregnancy, uh, what have you, uh, find something that feels special. Even if it's, a, if it's your favorite herbal tea, go out and find that grass, pour out something that you feel is special and just start talking. Talk to the spirits of place, talk to the spirits of um, the folks who were in that space before you were. There are all types of um, beautiful spirits who are waiting to reaching out to, to have a communication with us. If you live in an apartment, sit in the middle of what you consider the center of your space, whether that be um, a fake fireplace or it's your actual hearth, your kitchen. You know, find what you feel is the spiritual center of your home. You don't have to pour out <laughs> apple juice on the on the carpet to make sure that they understand you. You can pour a cup of coffee and sit it in um, in the kitchen on a windowsill. Let them know that you acknowledge that they are a part of your spirit of place. Coffee has such a, an amazing amount of energy. I use it for um, libations for spirits, for my ancestor altars. I make sure I pour out some fresh coffee. I don't even drink coffee, but I've got coffee in my house. Uh, make sure I pour out for my, my spirits, my ancestors, and my very dear loved ones who have crossed over. So you can put a cup of coffee in the window. It's the acknowledgement, it's the time. They just want to know that you're listening. Right, because they want our attention. You know, that's the green world exists, um, you know, in harmony with us. And I think it's such a thing that we've been so denatured by society, you know, that we have all this um, fear of the green world or even like appearing silly because we put coffee out for the ancestors and, you know, that. So there's so much of that programming that I think it makes it so challenging. And that's why I, I think anybody who gets involved in botanical witchcraft is really brave. You know, it's an amazing thing that you're making the choice to go into plant spirit medicine. Um, what else? I think that sacred smoke is absolutely one of my favorite things. I'm not, as you know, Amy, I do have some essential oils and work with them here and there but I am obsessed with sacred smoke. Like there is not a day that goes by um, and you know, my house smells like it 
that there is always sacred smoke, at least in my office, usually in the kitchen. And this time of the year, now that the wood stove is going again, there's always bundles and this and that, different medicine bags that go in the, the stove. So I know sacred smoke can be really intimidating for people if they're new to it. Do you have any tips on easing into the use of sacred smoke? Absolutely. I want to really empower people to find what speaks to them. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that I always suggest people start with is um, two very easy to find, very, very helpful botanical allies. Um, one is in your spice cabinet. It is um, powdered usually, but it's clove. Clove brings luck into the home. It's a very, um, it's, it has a signature scent to it but it's, it's very gentle to work with. It's very happy. It's a very forgiving plant. It, it wants to create that space for you to really welcome in other, other plant spirits. So I usually burn it on charcoal. I, you know, I have tongs and I, I make sure that I get a windproof lighter. It sounds like a little jet engine taking off when you light it, but it makes lighting that charcoal so much faster than a traditional, you know, a bic with a flame. Uh, the saltpeter in there sparks and fizzles so it can, it can put out that flame very easily, but with a windproof lighter, it's gonna take a little bit more extra. So I light my incense charcoal and I grab my clove and lavender, cause it's a nice chill friend to work with and a notebook and really sit, burn one plant or the other, doesn't matter which one you pick first and write down any memories that come to mind. Mm -hmm. Our sense of smell is so interconnected with our our thoughts and our emotions because to go through and figure out yes this is lavender it has to go through all of your memories before it can get to recognition so the appearance of these memories when we're smelling them is something that is not a coincidence at all so those feelings that well up write every one of them down there are going to be things that you don't like some people patchouli is one of those love or hate things you're going to have experiences, you're going to have memories that rise to the surface when you experience that smoke. Write them down because that is the that is where the power lies. Mm -hmm. You're creating your very own practice based on your experience, not based on my experience or Cindy's experience or your neighbor down the street who thinks um, juniper is the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, <laughs> but you're creating a, an authentic practice based on your life's experience, your life's journey. So write all of that down in your journal and expend your time expanding your scent memories, your scent profile. When I, I worked at a, a bath and beauty product store for five years, they use all essential oils. Everything's as natural as they can make it. But I would get people whose scent vocabulary consisted of oatmeal, coffee, flowers, and bad. That was, those were the only words that they had to experience. But if you go, I'm just going to grab something at random um, and experience marjoram oh, and you, that. you inhale that sweet, tangy herbal fragrance and you start to remember, okay, that's what marjoram smells like. And you sort of, you can relate it to something in your mind, something like it's close to oregano. Those experiences and expanding your scent vocabulary really allows you to experience plants in a way that you might not have thought of before. I love those tips. And I love how you talk about like sense evoke emotions and really like in magic, 
when we're casting spells, what we are primarily working with is emotions. You know, like if it's a spell, if we're using botanicals in a spell, we want to achieve a desired feeling state. You know, so if it's a spell, I don't know, we're using Bailey's, for example, for a money spell. Um, that's what, something we all have access to. Well, what you, what you're, yes, so the, the mechanism is the, the bay leaf, and you may have an attention, like I need to get it, earn so much money, but what you're doing is you're focusing forward on the emotion of not being stressed, of being content, of all those emotions. And so I love how you talk, how you brought in right away, you know, the emotional connection that you know, because witchcraft is primarily, we do a lot, it's a lot of mind work, but underneath it's root work, it's the emotions, right? And that's really, so starting to learn um, the smells and how you experience those smells is going to amplify on the other end when you're doing magic, how you can connect more easily to like your desired emotional state, which is the ultimate outcome of a spell. You know, like you'll feel content, you'll feel whole and so on. And I love how you said that, like some people only have such a small uh, scent vocabulary. And I think that correlates really well to some people have a really small emotional vocabulary. You are absolutely right. The, uh, the number of feelings that people can announce on, the, on our feelings wheel, you know, it usually is happy, sad, and these sort of nebulous feelings that they can't really put a finger on. But the more time you spend uh, working with each of those pieces of your, your emotional vocabulary, the, the better time you have, not just identifying them within yourself, but being able to relate that to someone else in your, in your, in your sphere of influence. Mm -hmm. uh, you touched upon something else really important, that uh, the plants, plant medicine, like it speaks to us through emotions, which are, uh, you know, emotions, it, it's difficult, I think, in like in our times, because, you know, we like, we have a small emotional vocabulary, we're either stressed and freaking out, or we're not. All right. <laughs> so, you know, but expanding our emotional vocabulary, and expanding our scent vocabulary, plants also help us expand like our symbolic vocabulary because they're non-rational, you know, they're not like us. They're not like, you know, they don't, plants don't have like a calendar that shows you the 15 Zoom meetings you've got this week. Um, <laughs> they follow, the, the, so they don't, and they don't often necessarily speak in words, but they will speak in symbols. Um, so I think plant medicine helps us to expand our symbol vocabulary too, which is so important. And, you know, they'll show us things, right? Images, like when you get these memories, like Amy was talking about, or if you're using it to just go into trance and open up the imagination and let the, the plant show you whatever it wants to show you, they'll speak in symbols. And um, that can be very, very, like, that can be the medicine itself. So it's not always necessarily like you get the plant, and you've got to do all this complicated stuff to it. It's, you know, have, um, whether it's some dried or fresh or you're out in the park, you can just sit with it and allow it to kind of communicate with you. And you'll see things in your mind. There are symbols and visions 
and just follow that trust in that. I think that's one of the biggest challenges um, as we're moving more into our magic is just learning to trust whatever our imagination shows us is what we should be seeing and that that's where the richness is. And that's, that's probably one of my favorite things um, in terms of plant spirits is that they really do kind of like, if you let them, they'll stretch out their branches and roots and just like stretch your imagination in ways, you know, that you can, that will surprise you. I would say that would surprise you. And you can really build a deep relationship with uh, a plant. I was telling Amy about this mysterious, maybe for maybe pine, maybe hemlock tree that's uh, growing nearby here on the, uh, the, the, one of the trails. It's a big nature conservancy here. One of these trails and, you know, and it's just like that plant is a mystery to, you know, that tree is a mystery to me and it doesn't want to tell me anything. So it's like just getting into that kind of creative mode of experiencing plants and that plant, um, you know, it gave me a sacred name for itself that I just trusted my, that name as it floated into my head to be the name that the plant wanted, the tree wanted me to call it. Um, so it, it's really, plant medicine is so healing and it's also about learning to trust ourselves. I don't know, Amy, do you have any further advice about how to trust yourself as you go into uh, practicing plant spirit medicine? Absolutely. It sounds silly, but look at the plants that are presenting themselves in your space. Uh, gosh, maybe five years ago, I noticed uh, that summer that poke overnight had sort of taken over the ring around my what would what would be a dooryard uh, I have one and a third acres and only part of its fenced or mowed so um, right around that area poke sort of sprouted up overnight just taking over the place and I thought okay what is it that poke is trying to tell me what is what is poke trying to communicate um, anything that's poisonous anything that is thorned anything that's that's uh, potentially uh, demographic, anything that's really protecting itself can protect you. So mm -hmm. I think, okay, what is Poke trying to tell me I need protection from? And it turns out, I've been in, in private security and exec executive security for about 15 years, and it turns out that someone in the building where I worked had started stalking me. So I had Poke spring up to protect the, the, the around area around the house, and then inside that fenced area, mugwort had had sort of taken over another layer of protection so mugwort is a boundary plant so you can either use it to cross boundaries or you can use it to enforce your own boundaries mm -hmm. so um every year i sprinkle uh, about a pound of mugwort around the the area of the property so that i make sure that this person never finds out where i live um and poke is embracing that protection i actually use the poke berries themselves to make protection ink i have a special journal i have set aside that I use, you have to use a dip pen, you can't put it into a, a fountain pen, to write out things that uh, worry me, that I need protection from or, or help with, because pokeberry ink fades over time. So I can go through this journal and see the things that worry me or the things that I'm anxious about fading into nothingness. Love that. It's such a great metaphor and it's a really powerful magical working, uh, especially, I've, I've suffered from anxiety my whole life so it's very, it's an active exercise 
in mm -hmm. making sure that you are securing your own spaces and you have a, a very safe way to express those fears in a healthy way. I love, and I love that it fades over time. That is fantastic. Um, one point that I want to just kind of like, we'll just poke more. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll poke a bit more. Is this how, like, when you become attuned to the spirits of your land, wherever you live, even if you have like a basil in the kitchen, um, that they become like, like pharmacokinetics guardians and teachers and protectors of because they become like part of your family is how I think of them. Um, so I think that that's a great tip for, you know, just paying attention. Like you said, you didn't get mad at the poke. You were like, what is poke saying? Um, Cause I know a lot of times like when the poke appears, it's like, we must cut it all down. <laughs> so we had a funny story here about a so-called invasive species. So I, um, you know, we've lived here for a few years now, so I'm still getting to know the different plant spirits that grow here. So and I watch, you know, watch and see what's showing up. So early last spring in the middle of the dooryard, so big empty space with just, you know, kind of meadowy grass, um, there, like a thistle starts to grow, like in the middle, apropos of nothing. Right? <laughs> Literally, there is a hundred yards on each side of this thistle that's clear. And my, uh, my son that mows the, the lawn, he said, what do you want me to do with that thing? And I said, well, we'll just, it's a thistle. We'll just see what it wants from us or what it has to offer. It's shown up for a reason. It doesn't make any sense. There's no thistles around the house. Like there's, you know, there's no thistles for acres, right? So what is going on with this thistle? So he carefully mowed around the thistle as it grew bigger and bigger and eventually was the same size um, as my other son's uh, small car. Wow. <laughs> I have a video of it and I was like, you should have put thistle in the book, Cindy. That's a <laughs> so it was a field thistle, and it literally was taller, as tall as me, and about say eight feet uh, in diameter. That just because it had no competition, there were no other plants around it wow. except for grass. So we, so that's just another example of like Amy's pokeweed. It's like if something out of character, whether it's on your property or all of a sudden you're walking down the street and you see like, I think that looks like a green pepper or, uh, you know, what is that doing here? Just to follow, follow that thread, like follow the mystery and allow it um, to really just spring forth. We needed a lot of protection. Uh, and of course that field thistle, which is so pointy and prickly, um, was exactly what we needed as a family for some things that transpired over the summer to navigate some really tricky situations. Um, however, when it started to go to seed uh, in September, it threatened to overtake the village with its uh, fluffiness. So we did uh, have to, to trim it down eventually. <laughs> but it was funny. So, and I've had mullen. Mullen doesn't grow here. Mullen showed up two years ago. That didn't come back this year just out of nowhere uh, at the end of the dooryard saying, hey, Cindy, welcome. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it's about getting, just notice, so much of this is noticing. 
Don't you think, Amy? Like it, it just really is. It's, it's already going on around you. Yep, it's going to happen whether you notice it or not. It's the the important thing is to stop and notice. That's all I want. And you, and you don't need to spend oodles of money. You know, like I love your how you have uh, the very rare uh, and expensive mandragora. You're connecting with it through your necklace. Can you share a little bit more about like other ways you can connect? Of course. The, besides the actual plant itself? <laughs> besides the actual plant itself, um, as we as we know, there's a there's a huge difference between American mandrake, which is a May apple and found in the in the yard, versus European mandrake, which is very expensive. You're not going to find it in the in the dollar bin at your local witchy store. Um, so connecting with it, you can uh, we we, look, we talk about uh, sigil magic. We talk about emblem magic. You can draw it on yourself. You can. I actually have a banner of my my herbal allies that sits over my desk. You can print out pictures of it from Google Images. You can take the your your phones that you carry in your back pocket every day and translate those beautiful images. Keep it as a as the background screen on your on your phone. The the phones uh, way that I've done that for this one right now we have wisteria. Oh, lovely! I so have that I have right now. <laughs> see, we can carry these beautiful emblems with us at all yep. times. This is a this is a really beautiful blood milk jewels piece. Um, uh, uh, Magical mandragora, I think, is the name of the of the piece. You can find ways to create jewelry. You can you can draw. It doesn't it have to involve spending any money at all. You can ha I, I've got post-it notes and uh, highlighters right here. I can I can draw a picture of mugwort. I have a piece where I have um, I have no drawing ability at all. I have just none. <laughs> I have beautiful friends that I love, but I drew a little a little stick figure picture of mandrake and motherwort entwined and I stuck it on my computer monitor to remind me. It doesn't have to look like Van Gogh drew it. Certainly not going to happen if I'm drawing it, <laughs> but I know what it is. And I, I think about those beautiful, magical co-relationships every time I look at it. It doesn't have to be a masterpiece. No one's going to see it but me. Um, embracing those emblems, embracing those thought forms, the spirit of the plant, not necessarily the one that grows in your backyard, but bringing that energy into your space where you spend the time anyway. I love that. And talking about the thought form, like the, the, the uh, master spirit that is connected to any plant so that you, you there, it's an archetype, you know, mugwort is an archetype and it has all of the beautiful properties of any archetype that you can work with a physical form, much like if you're a Hecatean and you might keep keys, for example, as a sacred object. Um, that's the physical manifestation, but mugwort is an archetype that will come to you in dreams uh, that you can draw. This, uh, this uh, scarf here, the, the, uh, this is Hecate as the triple goddess, and it's all mugwort in her crown, and at the bottom of it, you can't see. So, you know, there's, there's so many ways to connect to that deeper archetype of the plant beyond the materia medica that you've got or don't have. So you, so you don't have to spend any money. And I love your tip about just making a little talisman um, and, and following the intuition. 
like how you experience mugwort and mandragora could probably be really different than you or I. Like me and mandragora, I spent a year with mandragora. We broke up afterwards. Life goes on. Um, <laughs> you know, but then you have a deep relationship with mandragora, right? So it's, it's uh, very much about just allowing the medicine, I think, to come, come to you as it wants and seeing it as more than just um, a physical thing. Right. And it doesn't have to smell good. It doesn't have to have any scent at all. It's the experience that you bring to that relationship. If you find a way to make it smell great, that's fabulous. I have um, my, my personal mugwort ointment that I use, and it's, it's fragranced with uh, oak moss because mugwort is not the best smelling stuff. It's very bitter smelling. It's, it's very pungent. So some people are not a fan of that, that strong medicine, but oak moss helps temper those things and it just happens to be hex breaking. So if you're having a bad day, just dab a little bit on. I love that. <laughs> hex breaking is such an interesting topic or on crossing, um, hex breaking, on crossing. I did uh, a little ritual for a friend who was having some unmerited legal troubles with uh, the Rixapile, um on crossing tincture that I write about in Hecate's garden and uh, and made it filled a little medicine bag and I hang everything in the woods here I have a special spot it's I know it's a luxury that Amy and I have that we can hang things all over the place and carry you know um, but I mean you could make a little medicine bag too and just set it on your altar or on the windowsill even of whatever you need to do for a spell that's a simple spell that I really like in the book I call them paquettes I don't know I was feeling feeling French at the time I have French ancestry so <laughs> but there's so many different ways to work with these little bags and I, it's one of my favorite techniques uh, is to put together a little bag which is really quick so it doesn't need to be a complicated uh, ointment but ointments are really fun to make and they're not super they're not as complicated as you think they are like once you make one, right, Amy? Like absolutely. Not there, there's not a whole lot of individual uh, materia medica that you need. You don't need to know the ins and outs of every plant. Just pick one. The uh, the simpling is the best method. Grow one plant. Learn to use it for everything you can find. Then add another plant in. Um, the my comfrey salve. I had had mugwort killed it. I had a comfrey plant bigger than my desk. So probably six feet across, just giant leaves, beautiful. At the end of each uh, fall, right before the first frost, I'd cut it and I would put it into my just stock cauldron, <laughs> the crock pot, I'd put it, plug it in, I'd leave it overnight, mm -hmm. put it in some oil and let it macerate overnight. By the time I was ready in the morning when I woke up, I'd scoop out all the, the plant material, compost that and fill it with beeswax. So I've got a beautiful uh, cauldron full of ointment. I just scoop it into little jars and I'd give it away at Yule. I love it. Comfrey is awesome that it grows. You're reminding me now. I'm thinking of a comfrey plant that we had. We had the same kind of thing where we used to live. So, and that's another thing. Like I have, you develop memories of these plants, right? Like, oh, you remember that? It's like remembering an old friend. Remember that comfrey? Um, it was so useful. And I like the leaves too. And I also like to use those big, I like to use big leaves um, to make, like to, to do spell work just on as well. That you that can be like, you can uh, make a sigil or something on a big leaf. You can do this with bay leaves as well. Bay leaves are something that we all have. And you know, you can write on a bay leaf, 
what your intention is, which I think is uh, a really great way to kind of get started with, you know, going to the next level with plant spirits, which is to start doing some spell work with them. So. I was, I was doing, um, I was volunteering as an expert on allexperts.com for about 12 years before they got sold to someone else and closed. The idea of connecting with individual plants like that, my bay leaf, uh, as a teenager, as a, you know, I'm 14, 15 years old, little baby witch, I wanted that communication. So one of my favorite spells at the time was to write the name of someone I wanted to call me and like tape it under the phone. You know, this is when we had handsets and they were stuck on the wall. Um, but within three days, that person would give me a call if I had had an argument with a friend or, you know, I, I wanted to open the doors to communication. I would write their name on a little bay leaf and then I'd, I'd burn it afterwards. So you have those, those very easy plant spirit connections that you can make that don't require a lot of time or energy or effort or cost. Just write Susie on your bay leaf and now I can tuck it in my cell phone case and, and know that... Susie will call me and she'll reach out if she's, if she's willing, if she's open to communicating with me. I love that. And it's just, it's about setting that intention, right? And just holding that bay leaf and thinking, you know, okay, bay leaf, what I need you to do is to facilitate Susie calling me. Um, and, you know, bay is so accessible, um, both economically and it, it's always up for the witchcraft. It's like that friend you have that's like, doesn't care where you're going or what you're going to do. They're grabbing their handbag and they're like, let's go. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they're always down for an adventure. Those, right? are the friends, those are the friends we all need. Yeah. I, I like how you said, you, you touched upon belief there. And I love, like in your new book, how you, set, you start with, uh, remember magic is powered by belief and I believe in you. I think that's so touchy. I was like, oh, maybe. Um, can you talk a little bit about like the belief side of this? Cause I have to tell you, Amy, we didn't talk about this in our chat yesterday, I, but I, sc I scribbled this down from your book because I got into one of the biggest arguments about the goddess and the deeper world when I started using the word belief. Mm -hmm. And then I said, well, belief means you're stepping beyond the rational into something that is inherently mysterious so you can only know it so much you know the green world at its surface we can know we can look up in the books and we can say this is for inflammation and this is for stress and this isn't a menagon and so on but the deeper the depths of that like to me it really requires like a belief in the depths of it belief that there are spirits underneath this bay leaf i have in my head so can you talk a little bit about what, what, what you mean by belief and why you chose such a, such a welcoming uh, way to start your book? It's important to know that there's two pieces to magical practice in the way that we are engaging with physical items like our spell, like our plant materia. There's the inherent volatile oils that have their own understanding, their own associations, um, you're, you want to protect your home, so you look at Balm of Gilead, or you look at bay, or you look at bindweed, or cloves. There's the inherent pros, po uh, possibilities within those materials. They can, they can work with or without belief. But the belief that I'm discussing is you have to have 
that skin tingling, goosebump raising belief in yourself to push the small bits of magic that are inherent in these little pieces out into the world. They're, they're, everything is magical. Everything has those magical associations. My, the selenite on my altar in front of me, my, my beautiful little orange calcite, they each have their inherent possibilities. Yeah. But if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't have that spark of belief to go to the next step, it's only ever going to be a nice pretty rock that sits on my desk. The, the next step is that the belief has to leave your actual person. You have to push it out of you. When we talk about intentions and people say, oh, well, intention really isn't everything. There's also magic and you have to do this. And that's great. But when we talk about intention, we're not talking about just thinking nice things. We're talking about the bringing up the incredible amount of energy out of the earth, bringing it up in such a way that every pore in your body stands up and takes notice and push it out of yourself and into the world. That is magic. And that is powered by belief. If you don't believe in yourself, if you think, oh, all my spells fail, pour, pour water on the fire and call the dogs home. You're not going, you're not doing any magic today. You have to believe in yourself. And if that means that I have to believe in you so you can believe in you, I'll write you a note and, and <laughs> that's great. I love that. I, what I say sometimes when uh, students are really in a, a difficult place is like, I'll believe in you until you can do it again. We, sometimes we need somebody to give us that little bit extra so we can have some faith in ourselves. And I'm here for it. I, I, will, I will believe in you until you can do it for yourself. Right. And it's all magic. It's about believing in ourselves and believing in that push. I love how you say that about that push. You know, it's about, um, you know, at the, at the kind of the most fundamental levels, the plants become the elements, the plants become the zodiac, the plants become the planets. And it's about, your, you know, like believing that you can connect all the way down um, to the, you know, to those properties of the plants and then you can pull them out and release them in the world. That is, it does require belief. It's not just knowledge to me. You know, to me there is, it's something about, you have, when it is something that's mysterious and beyond the rational, that it requires belief. That I know things, there's a dip, I don't know, there's a difference. And like I said, it was one of the worst arguments with someone I really cared about that I've ever gotten into. Um, and we just had to agree to disagree because I think in the end we were actually talking about the same thing. We were just calling it different things. So and that happens. And that happens. Right. So I love that, you know, the belief in yourself and, you know, you can do this. Like if you're here, if you're drawn to our work, it's because you're resonating with something. There's like that, that thrumming of recognition that you, when you see our posts or our books or whatever, so there's something deeper in you that is saying that you, you can do this. Um, and, you know, so follow that, you know, follow the mystery. The mystery led you here for whatever, you know, for reasons unknown um, and just go with it. Because one of my, the questions I get asked, like my number one question, Amy, is um, how do I know if it's Hecate? Like, how do I know? How, and I'm like, well, we're here. Something led you here. So absolutely. absolutely, you know, look in your dreams and 
look in what you see in your imagination, the songs, you know, like whatever's happening, um, it's already happening and it's waiting for your attention. I think that's, and that is so true of the green world too. They're doing their thing. And a lot of times, you know, like it, all it takes is us to say, I can enter into connection with you. I have that right, uh, you know, it's my right. And that, you know, to do this as a witch, it's my right to work because the archetype of the witch, uh, you know, like I, I joked to you yesterday, right up the middle of the archetype of the witch, you know, goes the, the branches and the roots, uh, you know, the, the poison and the healing, which are one and the same, weaving right up through the whole archetype, however you connect, however witchcraft feels like to you, um, it's always, it, it, it's very center is uh, the mad, you know, the green world. Yes. I even said it in the, the intro for botanical brews, the difference between poison and medicine is dose. That's it. That's, That's it. the big secret. Fabulous. So thanks so much, Amy. This talk has been fantastic. I just love hanging out with you. I know. I could just talk to you all day. I wish we didn't live like a thousand miles away or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this has been so great. Um, if people want to connect with you, Amy, where can they find you? If you are uh, someone who follows on Instagram, it's Amy Blackthorn author, and I've been doing live videos where we talk about different plant spirits. Uh, I did an entire video on lemon balm, creating vinegars for salad dressing and tinctures for sedation and all the different ways, some lemonade for that lemon balm brightness. Uh, so there's lots of different fun things on Amy Blackthorn author on Instagram. There's live videos, you can interact. Um, I started doing tarot reviews and there's all sorts of fun things over there. There's also Amy Blackthorn author on Facebook. There's the Facebook page for my tea shop, blackthornsbotanicals.com. There's the, um, there's a, a Facebook page. There's also, if you just want witchy memes to make your day a little less hectic, there's witchcraft down and dirty on Facebook and there's probably 155,000 people on there. Yeah, that's a great page. It's, it's a lot of fun. Well it's done. very light and irreverent. There's occasionally I'll, I'll share some news on there that's witchcraft related. Um, the rest of the world can, you can find your news for that elsewhere. Um, but there's, there's so much that we need to connect with. So, so I'm available. There's, there's also uh, blackthornsbotanicals.com and amyblackthorn.com just has um, information on the individual books that I'm writing, where you can find me, and when we go back to seeing people in person, <laughs> those those dates will be posted on amyblackthorn.com as well. Fabulous, and I think you have something really cool and interesting on the shop right now. I do. Oh, may or may not be sold out, so what is the new thing you've got that you're selling? So I just started probably two weeks ago posting my intention candles, my spell candles on blackthornsbotanicals.com. If you just scroll down to the black botanical magic line, you'll see teas with matching candles. So my ancestor support tea has an ancestor support candle. So if you are engaging with your ancestor work, this is, this is a ready-made ritual just for you. You can brew your tea and light your candle. They have botanical uh, spirits in each candle. There's their understanding. So some have bay leaves and some have this and a little bit of that. So you can understand it's right there on the label, which botanicals are in each material and why they're in there. It's such an important thing that we make sure that we understand why we're doing these things because mm -hmm. that's how we learn. So each label has the botanicals on there, what they're used for and the magical 
why I chose them for each one. So the, the gravy train is wealth and success and recognition in your field. So it has tomato leaf in it. So it protects you and where you are right now. It helps boost your, because when people look, sometimes they get jealous. And that jealousy is just a worm away from a hex. So it helps banish that jealousy and helps uplift your, your name and your, your work. So it has really fantastic botanicals like that tomato leaf. My, my office smells like tomato leaf because it was the one I made yesterday. So there's eight new candles. There's matching teas to go with them. The Hex the Patriarchy tea um, is lemon and ginger. And the Hex the Patriarchy tea, our candle, smells like a witch's succulent garden. So there's a little bit of vervain and there's a little bit of rosemary and it smells like juicy succulents. That's fabulous. So check out those candles for sure. Um, you can uh, keep up with Keeping Her Keys on keepingherkeys.com. Um, Keeping Her Keys is also on Facebook. And if you would like to join uh, my soul school of training and support, you can uh, go to keepingherkeys.mn.co or download the Mighty Networks app and search for Keeping Her Keys and you uh, get the first month free. It's a little bit of a charge just to cover the cost of having a, a, a high quality private network. But you get the first month free. So there is an included in your regular monthly subscription, a Pharmacaea course that has monographs and formulations and uh, you can ask questions and learn more. So. Those are some ways that you can connect with Amy and I. Thanks again for listening and watching to us today.